0: everyone welcome back to forward thinking it's chrissy and charlie here and today we're talking about why you need to beware of the franken stack
1: so ominous
0: (laughs) yeah it's not halloween but we are talking about uh, a franken stack if some of you have heard of maybe that term before it's kind of just a funny term to talk about a tech stack with too many tools hacked together um with, you know, no real like big picture in mind or, or, or over time, there's been so many people adding on to the tech stack that what you're left with is kind of a, a form that kind of fights against you and has a mind of its own. So we're going to uh, talk through, you know, why it's important to not create one. What are the implications um, and also uh, how you know if you have one and then what you can do to prevent one um, and so let's just dive straight into it um, charlie do you want to take it away and say why it's important to not create a frankenstack uh, but for uh, for those people too sometimes they're inheriting one but mm-hmm. why is it important to not have one really
1: yeah and i think we've all got a bit of a frankenstack uh, at some stage of of the of our journey and I think it's just the the symptom of of the environment today where there's several thousand marketing technology platforms all of them have their own special purpose and we like to get a bit carried away and implement implement maybe more than we might need at some point so and yeah you're right a lot of people do inherit Mm -hmm. um a tech stack I mean, most people inherit Tesla these days. It's not very rare that you're going to be creating it from scratch. So there might be some tools in there that start making your tech stack look like a Frankenstack more than a nice working in Harmony tech stack. So one of the important reasons not to create one or to try and limit the creation of your of your Frankenstack is just is it just plainly just wastes everyone's time. Yeah. It creates a lot of inefficiencies. Um, you know, we all know from having worked in marketing operations when you start digging into stuff and you just go down that rabbit hole right you start you go oh there's something happened to this lead what happened and then you look at what happened to that lead and you like, oh wait it got it got updated by an integration and then you look at why it had to be updated by that integration and it's because it was had there was some other kind of order of operations thing but another integration that it needed to be able to be updated at that time and then that then had caused a, maybe a sync error or it got it triggered a process in Salesforce that you weren't aware of that Sales ops just created, and then they they needed to create that because there's another tool integrated into Salesforce. You're you know? already
0: driving me crazy. Yeah.
1: Anyway, I'll stop there. <laughs> so the inefficiencies created is just a lot of time goes into troubleshooting. Right? How yeah. much is ev- how much time is everyone spending just digging into things and figuring out why something happened?
0: Yeah, and I think after being this in almost eleven years now, I feel like more and more it's becoming complex and harder it's worse um you know systems playing nice with each other it it's hard in the best of times so when you have and with a few technologies working together so when you have a ton going on it's just without really thinking through how they should play with each other like you said it wastes a lot of people's time you're doing a lot of you know, why did this happen? Or even chasing timing issues. Mm-hmm. Timing issues is so hard to deal with. Um, but you it an order does... order of
1: operations. An order of operations. It
0: plays a big role. Um, yeah. So- and then
1: because of that, you're wasting a lot of your time. You've probably got consultants, expensive yeah. consultants that you're wasting yeah. their time and you're spending budget on that. You might have to invest in other tech to deal with more problems and making it worse. So, you know, not only is it making all of what you're doing inefficient and probably the whole, the whole marketing team and more inefficient than they need to be, it's also wasting budget on trying to address these things too. Totally. Um, And then one other important reason that a lot of of people, I think forget, and we talk about this a few, a little bit on our, on our podcast is that the reliance on lead flow working properly Mm -hmm. is actually a huge, you know, it's a, a big need for a business, right? Especially when we're looking today at kind of maybe ungating some things, giving people access to sales quickly, making sure sales can follow up speed to lead all of these things that people are focusing on these days. You can't have this Frankenstack of tools creating inefficiencies in that process or drop offs in that process or holes where maybe a, a really high intent, high quality lead isn't even getting to sales because of the amalgamation of this Frankenstack is just creating issues in that lead flow.
0: Totally. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the the biggest thing here is like you talk about, you know, all of this plays a big role into, uh, you know, making things harder and getting leads to sales was more important. But the the issue that we talked about, too, is like the worse it gets, the harder it is to mm-hmm. fix. Um, and then, you know, you can end up, you know, in a place where like you are almost just ineffective, your marketing, like you have to actually like, maybe even pull back everything in order to build everything up again. And that's a huge delay to all of your marketing and, you know, executing your marketing strategies. So
1: totally, there's a tipping point, right, where sometimes it can get so bad. That it's almost impossible to fix because you'll never find the time to be able to fix how bad it is. Yeah. And once you go over that, it's so hard to work your way back because you would almost have to stop all ongoing execution just to deal with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It can be bad. Yeah. So obviously this is not a great place to be, but it's not that, you know, it's not the end of the world. And we're going to talk about first, at least figuring out how do you know if you have a Frankenstack, you know? How do you? Yeah. So, I mean, the the biggest thing I think f- for for us when we look at it is like rabbit holes. Like, do you just find yourself in a rabbit hole like every day in activity logs, reports is trying to, you know, trace like what's happening? That probably means that you have a Frankenstack or there's an issue with just like understanding what's going on, which is kind of like they come one and two together. But that's a big, big Telltale sign, you know how many rabbit holes are you in? Um, how much time are you spending doing that? Uh, one thing we talked about before too is, you know, how much shelfware do you have? Like, how many tools can you even list out all the tools that you yeah, have? Do you even know? <laughs> do you even know? And actually, I was talking to a client yesterday and. That, that came up too like there might be tools that you know they, they're not even owning and other people are using um and or
1: the the owners left and no one's owning it anymore
0: exactly so you if your tools have no owners or the owners don't live in marketing ops uh for whatever reason i think that is something to look into too platform architecture just how all these tools are integrated and work with each other is like the number one place to look to um and if you have a bunch of those processes set up by people that don't work there anymore, it's likely that there was no documentation left. So really is kind of now the chance to dig into it, do a lot of exploratory work um, and diagnosis. So kind of the way we approach our health check, you need to go to kind of core areas. So um, so when you've you kind of figured out if you have a frank. Well, yeah,
1: I guess, you know you you know you when you feel it you know, you know. yeah yeah when you feel you know anyone listening, <laughs> anyone listening to this if, if you don't if you're not if if none of that resonated with you you probably don't have a frankenstack but i'm sure most people listening to this are like oh yeah that kind of like sounds like my day today which yeah. means we probably all, all have a bit of a frankenstack right it's just it's a spectrum it's not the like spectrum. you either have one or you don't it, it, it's a you know everyone kind of has one and it gets progressively worse it can get progressively worse it doesn't have to though
0: Right. 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 Um, And
1: so. So what do you do if you have a Frankenstein? (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the the first thing that I've talked about is a lot of this has to do with stuff that's already been put together, but you just don't know what's going on. So the first area we'd suggest is is documenting. Um, really putting some documentation in place. And this doesn't mean documenting where you want things to be. This means documenting what is going on right now. A great way to do that is by, you know, taking a test lead or a few records that came in that day and then looking Mm -hmm. in their activity log in your uh, automation system of what happened to that record. And then also looking in your CRM, what are all the campaigns that went through? What are all the tools? Like, what are, how was it created? Was it created from API user was it created you know through other ways like these are all great places to document one like where people entering the database from uh, we talked about this even with consent tracking this a lot of this lead processing documentation of 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 entry points and being 100% sure on all of those entry points is, is super important
1: mm-hmm. um and, and and just to jump in there sorry yeah I think the one really kind of practical way to get started with this and we talked about this before is building that bird's eye view right yeah think about you know on the left all of the different data acquisition sources and then where are they coming into your marketing automation platform from how what is happening to them like the key processes like the lifecycle, scoring opt-in mm-hmm. standardization all of these things go through list them out then list out okay how is that data then synced to salesforce what's happening in Salesforce, lean data, you know, is visible touch points being created, that kind of stuff. And try and get that bird's eye view. That's going to just give you, give let, let you know what tools you have, what are the big things I need to look at? What is the order of operations? How mm-hmm. is leads throwing, flowing through the systems? And then once you've got that, you just zoom in to each functional area. Yeah. So you mentioned kind of like, you know, Uh, life cycle like you could zoom into the life cycle okay when a lead comes in like do that test lead and see okay well it gets picked up by this life cycle it gets scored it you know moves to mql it goes through these processes maybe it gets enriched first and then that creates the Mm -hmm. demographic score and go through all of that and then keep zooming in and zooming in until you have a really good idea just the first image of just seeing all the tools and how they connect together in the bigger major processes it's almost a game changer when when we build that out for clients they're like oh shit like okay i I can kind of see what's going on here (laughs) and then you the zooming in bit can take a lot longer to get done but you know as as you start building it out you just get you just really understand what's going on i would recommend anyone who inherits an instance or starts a new company and that doesn't exist just do it straight away so you can really you can really understand what's going on
0: totally Um, so yeah, so you've done your documentation, you've documented your leaf flow process. Um, now it's kind of, you know, you have those, uh, areas that you've dug in a bit, um, Mm -hmm. where there might be issues. Um, and I think that's key documenting the issues that you find and also documenting where are there rabbit holes? Like, where have you found even recently, you know cases this might even be like issues that you've been sent but thinking about okay where there might be cases where you're just like going down a path and finding an issue and then another issue another issue and that might help you figure out even like a root cause Mm -hmm. Um,
1: and and what you just said there as well is really a good point as well like a lot of times you kind of know what's going on because someone has complained about it before (laughs) so like sales you know they say oh this lead didn't have this lead you know didn't get the right status or didn't have the right data enriched on it that kind of stuff like you could try and figure through okay was there an order of operations issue that's causing that Mm -hmm. um that's a good place to start for sure
0: yeah and uh some of this could even be you know brainstorming or whiteboarding like all these different areas like just going through um, so you found those rabbit holes. And and like you said, order of operations is super important. How is your order of operations creating a lot of these issues? Can you create more of control around the timing of processes, when they trigger, and how that plays friendly with some of your tools? Um, we see that a lot with even if you're doing auto conversion or lean data is picking up a lead and routing it, what are all the things that you need in place before that conversion happens or before the routing happens? That is an example of kind of order of operations. Otherwise you'll have potential issues.
1: Right. And then kind of bringing it back to kind of your stack, right? You know, as we're talking about all of these things, so many of these kind of processes within systems are reliant on, integrations from other tools outside of systems like you know your scoring is reliant on enrichment probably right right? or your lead flow is reliant on like drift a drift bot or a Mm -hmm. drift meeting book or like a chili piper or you know other other tools that are you know pushing people through um the funnel to sales yeah Uh, so it's it's like there's going to be stuff with like i think a frankenstack to me can mean both lots of different tools and that is building out the the Frankenstein but also kind of like rogue processes and like within tools as mm-hmm. well like it's kind of like you could you could, I could you could almost have a Frankenstein if you only had Marketo but it was just architected terribly right right right
0: right, right.
1: Uh, so you look at both of those the, both of those things and the dependencies between them
0: totally and I think part of that too is if you're doing this goes into a little bit of technical debt but for certain processes are happening think about what needs to happen right away versus maybe even what things can happen a bit later or in batch Mm -hmm. um because that'll improve your overall processing time in general especially in marketo when you have like a ton of campaigns someone has to run through it'll just delay things even further um
1: and then i think you have to be frank with yourself about whether you can remove tools yeah Mm-hmm. And and certain processes that aren't that maybe were set up before your time and don't really have, you know, need anymore. Um, I think one of the we talked about this on one episode about the sunk cost fallacy. Yeah. It's really hard to remove tools once you've sunk time and effort and budget into it, but you have to, you can't fall victim to the sunk cost, sunk cost fallacy mm-hmm. and think that because you've put that time in, it's still worth it. So you have to be quite aggressive, I think to really figure out what tools are still working for you and not. And when it comes up to renewal, if the tool's not working for you, you have to cut it because it's just adding a lot of technical debt, it's adding a lot of um, time to maintain. None of these tools just work themselves, right? It's kind no. of like visible. People think, oh, just turn on visible, it's gonna be fine. But there's a lot of maintenance that has to go mm-hmm. on for every, every day. So all, because you have so many tools to maintain and keep going, it adds a ton of burden on any marketing operations person. So if you can remove tools, there is a huge opportunity to be able to free up time to, for the marketing operations person to be more focused in where there is providing value. We can't do all the things. We can't have all the tools. We have to be picky. Um, and that's where you know, if you've inherited a Frankenstack, one of the best things you can do is like, cut out your shelfware.
0: Totally. And I think there's a learning experience there. I think, l- like, if you spent loads of time in a relationship that ended <laughs> up failing, like, you still, yes, you, you wouldn't just stay in it because you've, you know, dedicated all the time, but there is a learning experience. You figure out what works for your plot, you know, for your um, company, what doesn't. And also, maybe what were the things that kind of put you into that, um, using that tool or that situation that you can prevent. And so the next area I want to talk about is, you know, how do you not create a Frankenstein or how do you prevent things from getting worse? If you feel like your company or your marketing ops, you know, might be going down that path. Um, and the first area, and we've talked about this a lot, uh, the three B's. So when you are, you know, taking on a new tool. It's really important to have the marketing ops team, but also just all the teams selecting these tools keep three things in mind. And that's the budget. You know, do you have the budget to um, pay for this? How does that compare to your overall marketing budget as well? Because as as cool as like some tools are to operationalize your marketing strategy the money to actually execute like the actual marketing in your marketing strategy is most important and it should be directly um, related to each other.
1: Like if you're spending more on measurement than you are on actual (laughs) marketing activities to to actually provide, you know, to do stuff to measure, then that is not imbalance right
0: no exactly and then the second is you have enough bodies to actually support it so like charlie said these tools although they have automation in the name or um, they seem like they can just solve your problems really you need someone to own it and and you know there's a selling there's selling points that are being sold to you and but you need to be clear that like any tool requires people to maintain them so if you have a team of one on your marketing ops team you know you're your marketing tech stack should be pretty small because you need to be able to maintain it. Um, And the last thing is you should build a case. So everyone needs to be on board on why this tool is coming on, you know, bringing it on, who's going to support it, which is bodies. Um, But also are they all bought into that idea? Attribution is one we've always talked about, but if not everyone is clear on like why, the you're using that tool what it's going to be used for um then it's less likely to um have the adoption that it deserves and then you end up with a tool that's not being used or being used incorrectly
1: yeah and we actually have a um a new tech business case worksheet that we'll link to Mm -hmm. in the show notes but um some of the key sections in that are one is gap analysis. So does this tool fill a gap in our existing stack? I can't tell you how many times um, I see duplicate tools, like you've got three ABM tools, or like, you know, a few automation tools like that. I mean, that yes, I know all these tools offer some kind of different flavor. But really, do you really, really need like the another tool that does most of the same stuff that the other one does? Um, and then adding on a ton of technical burden onto your marketing operations team.
0: Totally. Yeah.
1: Um, so you've got to be a lot of the stuff is just being like brutally honest with yourself, right? Like, <laughs> is it really worth it? Um
0: just marie and everything. Like, does it spark joy or right. is it doing what it's meant to be doing? Then cut it out.
1: Yeah. Um and then again, yeah, if you're like looking forward to investing as well, that gap that gap, like is it are we actually filling a gap or are we just doubling up? Mm-hmm. Maturity analysis, are we even ready? Um, you know just because the last company you worked at had a very mature stack and team when you go to your next company it doesn't necessarily mean that that company is ready like we do see this a lot like kind of you move company and you just want the stack that you had before so you will just buy all the tools and get it going but I think we need to be a bit more patient understand where each company is and each individual in that company is that in terms of kind of their technical maturity and their ability to understand data, use data um, and really kind of use the tools within the stack in an effective way. Um, so being like having patience, right? Are we ready? If we're not, again, being brutally honest, if we're not ready, can it should wait. Yeah. Um, and then fit analysis, right? Get reading or due diligence. Is this going to integrate well with my existing stack? A lot of the tools, you know, they're working hard on their integrations. They know they need to. Yeah. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that they all are great at it though. No. Right. So maybe speak to someone who's actually implemented that um, tool before mm-hmm. and see how, and it may be with a similar Slack to you, has it actually integrated well? Has there been any, you know, issues they've had to troubleshoot over time with the integration? Because, yeah you know t- tools are great but like if they're not all talking to each other well and you're having to constantly troubleshoot issues with it within integrations it's just it it's almost not worth it right? right or if you're if it doesn't have an integration you're doing like list uploads i mean again that's a lot of burden on on whoever's gonna have to do it yeah totally um, I'm not saying you should never do that, but you know, be careful about what you take on in terms of like whether it fits.
0: Yeah, that all comes down to the body's part. Do you have someone who is willing to build all those custom integrations or be ready to fix it when it could break? Then fine. If if that would be a burden on your team, then you know, I'd probably rethink it.
1: Mm-hmm. And then just prioritization. We talk about this a lot with the roadmap and other things. Um, is it really, really, really? a priority now like have we actually evaluated the the business impact have we you know, run this through a prioritization framework you know there's the the great the good and bad thing about marketing operations the, is the good thing is there's pretty good job security there's a lot of work to do right a the bad thing is there's a lot of work to do. <laughs> <laughs> so or
0: all that work should have been done yesterday is more like right. yeah
1: so you really have to prioritize um and the you can't you could because you just can't do it all mm. so you know is there, is implementing this tool really the highest priority mm-hmm. or is maybe fixing your franks parts of your frankenstack a better priority you know and as you do start to address the your frankenstack you will end up being able to scale your technologies because your your are you're adding them onto a secure foundation as opposed to just kind of hodgepodge um so you know a lot of time fixing technical debt and and fixing some of the issues within your tech stack is going to be the best bang for buck of your time you know as opposed to building the new shiny objects right and kind of looking keep always looking forward and looking for the next thing
0: yeah and I think part of that is then where you have to be a little bit influential on people and and um, get them to understand because I think uh, the teams that really need help understanding if a tool is priority are the people that aren't even implementing them because Mm -hmm. A lot of these tools are, you know, if you're in demand gen and you feel like, oh, I want to do more conversational marketing, let's take on a tool like Drift, you know, that is something that maybe is is an idea for them, but they might not, they don't have the idea at all of like, how much time does it take to implement? Um, You know, what are all the things that we need to prepare and think about beforehand? Um, and so really you can act as the person that can help level set that, um, and say, you know, and, and look at their goals. If one of their goals is that's one of their biggest goals and, and, you know, have them choose, Hey, you know, we can do this one project, but then that means these other things that you want to do might get delayed. But if that's your number one goal for your apartment, then we'll take that into consideration and then do our own prioritization. Mm-hmm. Um, but also letting them understand, you know, what that whole process, um, could take is also something that you might have to do.
1: Totally. And, Um, and, and being clear of that timeline and and sticking to it. The worst thing is if you've maybe, yeah, you've been convinced you, you want to create, you want to add another tool to your stack and then you just like lob it in there and you just don't really think about it. Right. Mm -hmm you got to really take your time to implement it properly and that's where documentation comes in right like what are the downstream effects of adding this tool within this part of our stack mm-hmm. um what are the dependencies or what is what is the data that that tool needs at the right time for when that tool is going to do whatever that tool is going to do yeah. so like you have to that's why that that bird's eye view map is great because you can be like oh, okay I'm going to plug this tool in here and this is all the stuff that's going to happen before that within our lead flow, or this is how that tool might have to interact with this tool in terms of updating our data in Marketo in a certain order and things like that. Mm-hmm. So having that view, having your documentation is key, but then also like you mentioned, making sure when you're implementing it, you have an implementation plan. You're not just turning it on and just like, imp- like putting it in. And an example we see a lot, is like, you know, you, Contest indication or something like that, or like some kind of lead creation tool Mm -hmm. that's plugged into your marketing automation platform, but you haven't thought through things like, okay, do I, am I gonna like, have I, am I scoring these leads from this channel? Am I, are are leads come acquired from this going to be running through my opt in processes properly? Are we stamping lead source and, you know, any um, source information on this lead? How is it impacting, you know, my attribution tool on the other side, like, do I need to make sure that touch points are being created, you know, and then go on, you can can go on and on and on and on. Mm -hmm. So there's, you, you need to really think that through and build that into that implementation plan to make sure that you're implementing it properly. And it's not just a, another continuation of a Frankenstein.
0: Yeah, definitely. And this can be hard to do. We all know everyone's busy and you just want to check things off the list, but it'll save you time in the future. So your future self will be thanking <laughs> you for that extra time. And a part of the reason why you might be feeling busy is because you're spending, you know, three hours of your day in some of those rabbit holes. So it's all this kind of interconnected. It, it does have like a flywheel effect um, where the you know, like we said, the more this happens, the faster it will create create problems and and so forth and so forth. So this is a great time to, you know, make 2021 the year where you kind of take a step back and, you know, fix some of these problems so that you're set up for success. Um, and simplification, if anything, just feels necessary right now. And, um, you know, it can save you even budget and time, or you need to figure out resourcing if they want to continue on the path. So hopefully that was useful for everyone. Um, You know, if you have a Frankenstack, we we wish you luck in uh, taking control again of it. And if you um, have any more questions feel free to ping us on linkedin and if you like this episode definitely share it with uh your employees colleagues friends whoever we greatly grandma. appreciate it yeah grandma might she might apologize. she might not know um but yeah we'll see you on the next episode of Forest thinking have a good one